Welcome to everyone tonight. If you're a guest here and I missed you, it's good to have all our guests here tonight. It's good to see everyone. Praise God. And we are going forward. If God be for us, then who can be against us? Even the flu and the sickness that's bouncing around can't stop us. We're going forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I thought I was going to preach this this morning, but the Lord decided to do something different. So apparently it was for tonight. So we're going to follow the Holy Ghost and see what the Lord wants to do in this place. Second Corinthians chapter 5. And I was going to read more, but for time's sake, I'll skip down Second Corinthians 5. And I'll jump all the way down to verse number 20. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we, everybody say that's me, that we may be the righteousness of God in him. For a few moments tonight, and don't forget after we're done, we got to break down. But for a few moments tonight, I want to preach to you on this subject. I killed the goose. I killed the goose. Turn to your neighbor and say, I killed the goose. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated in Jesus' name. As usual with any governor or president that is going out of office, usually some of the last acts that are performed by a governor or by a president is the pardoning or the commuting of the sentences of individuals. The last week of President Obama's administration, he did the very same thing. Based off the facts that were given to the leader, whether it's a governor or president, they determine whether or not it is okay to commute the sentence or to pardon the person. The problem is to commute the sentence, you can leave jail. You no longer have to serve the penalty for what you have done. However, when you leave out of that prison, you may leave free, but you still leave a criminal charged with the act. When you walk out of there for the rest of your life, if you get a job or you try to do anything in life and they ask you or they run a background check or whatever the means may be, they will find that you have at one time in your life been convicted of a crime and you have been sentenced. Whether or not you serve the sentence out 
whether or not you were out, let out for good behavior or whether you ever set one foot in jail, the fact of the matter is you committed the crime and you were sentenced. Even if you were pardoned or forgiven for that act, it doesn't change the fact that you committed that act. And the very problem with that is, is that most of us in this room tonight live our Christian walk as pardoned criminals. We look at the cross as simply a substitute for our penalty. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That the only way sin can be paid off is something has to die. And we know that Jesus Christ became that sacrifice. And he was the sacrifice for our sin. However, the cross was not simply about pardoning us. It was not simply about getting us free from the penalty of sin. But there was something greater that God was offering us through the cross and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Some of you have heard this tonight, and I know some of you have heard it many times. And I'm begging you tonight, don't turn me off because you've heard it before. Because I'm telling you, if we truly lived like this, we would not be bound by some of the things that we're bound by. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3 is probably the single most important chapter in all of the Bible regarding man. And the reason is because it tells us how man sinned. It also tells us what caused man to sin, but also it gives us a pattern and establishes a pattern of how God deals with sin. And the Bible says that God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why the Word of God that was written... Parts of the Word of God that were written thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago are still applicable in our 21st technological society because they were not written simply with a black and white answer, but they were written based off the principles of who God is. And that Word tells me who He is. It tells me how He thinks. It tells me what He does. It tells me how He reacts. And if I want to know more about Him, I can know more about Him in His Word because He does not change. And there's a law in theology called the law of first mention. The law of first mention is simply this, that wherever God establishes a pattern or a principle for the first time in scripture play pay close attention to that because that will be the framework by which God operates going forward God doesn't make a mistake and has to go back and fix it God doesn't have an eraser with a pencil he writes with his finger he doesn't have a pencil that he has to go back and erase and say, oh, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Let me, let me, let me. He doesn't need backspace. Delete. When God establishes something for the first time, he then establishes the pattern and principle and the framework by which he is going to operate. That's why today the Old Testament is not obsolete. 
Some churches have said that the Old Testament's obsolete. That was for them back then. Problem is, if you take the Old, Old Testament out, you remove the framework of God. And you take the Old Testament and you remove that, then you have no context for the New Testament. And the New Testament has no principles and patterns by which to check. Case in point, Paul told Timothy, all scripture is given. All scripture is given and is profitable. What scripture was he referring to when he wrote that? He was referring to the Old Testament because that's all they had. When Peter and Paul and John and the apostles were going all over the world seeing great revival and they were trying to find things and, and trying to make sure and check things in Scripture, where were they checking it? They were checking in the Old Testament. John didn't sit down and go, what did Matthew say in chapter 6? What did he say? Uh, or maybe it was Mark. He didn't have that. Do you know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're the synoptic gospels, and that's a theological term we can go into later. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written somewhere 30 to 40 years after the death of Jesus Christ. It wasn't like Jesus died on the cross, he rose again, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke were handing out pamphlets there at the tombstone. Here, read this. Here you go. They read this. But you'll know more about Jesus. It was 30 years. And John... John was one of the last books of the entire Bible written. All the way, some estimates, some theological estimates said it was almost around the turn of the second century, somewhere around 95 to 100 A.D. Why am I saying all this? I'm saying is, is because it's, it's, it's very important to understand when God establishes something, we have to pay attention. I'll use this for a second, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm going slow, and that's okay. God gets down, and he shapes man out of the framework of the dust of the earth. And you've heard me teach on this before, but give me a second. He shapes man out of the framework of the earth, and he does what to man at the end? He breathes into his what? He breathes into his nostrils. He doesn't breathe into his mouth. The Bible doesn't say he breathes into his mouth. He breathes into his nostrils. I read that for years. I read that and never paid attention. Just kind of just went through it. And one day I'm reading along going, whoa, time out. Wait a minute. He did what? He breathed into his nostrils. And this is how I study. I study by asking questions and then finding answers. I don't really study by sitting down and reading the word of God and just meandering along and say, oh, that sounds interesting. I like to challenge myself by asking questions because some of the greatest study has come from sitting down in a Bible study and someone asking me a question I don't know the answer to and make me go back and find it. So I like to do the same thing with myself. So I'm reading along and says he breathed in his nostrils. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Why did he breathe into his nostrils? That doesn't make sense. And I got to thinking about that and I don't know CPR. So if you pass out tonight, don't count on me to kiss you. I don't know it. Maybe there's somebody else here that will volunteer. Now, if my wife passes out, I'll gladly volunteer. I'll, I'll CPR for a while if we have to. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I don't even know where I'm at now. Oh, Ooh, it's getting hot in here now. I'm blush. But if you CPR... 
I've never done it. I've seen it done. Not live, but I've seen it done in a video or on TV or something like that. And I noticed something when you do CPR, where do they breathe into? The mouth. In fact, when they do CPR, what is one thing they do? Close the nostrils. And I'm thinking, okay, God's pretty smart. God's, God's not, God, God is the creator. You would think if he was the creator, he would know if you're going to raise somebody up, breathe into their mouth. Okay, God, what were you doing? And I got to thinking is about this and meditating on this. And I'm trying to, you know, reach in there and trying to, I'm, I'm like, I, 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 I'm, you know, when you, when you start getting down, you're like, okay, what's it say in the Hebrew and the Greek? Because you want to find that Hebrew word that's going to unlock the mystery. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe the Hebrew word for nostril means something powerful. Oh, man, I'm going to find this Hebrew word. And this is going to be like just and I got my, got my concordance on my, 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 my iPad out, and I, and I clicked on it, and I'm like, okay, here it goes, ready? What's the Hebrew word for nostrils? And I open it up, and guess what the Hebrew word for nostrils is? Powerful. Nostrils. <laughs> like, well, there's a dead end. The Hebrew word for nostrils is nostrils. Something, and okay, why to do that? And the Lord reminded me of something. I've told this story before, but the Lord reminded me of something. When my, when my, my, my children were especially small, not as much now, but when they were smaller, and my wife would have to give them medicine, especially liquid medicine, orally, as most kids do, you, you could pry them open and get it in their mouth, but they wouldn't swallow, and they would hold their mouth shut. And there was a trick that we did, and she did when she gave it to them, if you, when their mouth is shut, if you go and blow on their nostrils, the reaction of that is they open up their mouth and take in. So the first time God breathed on man, man's reaction was to open up and take in. He didn't blow into man and force himself on man, but yet he breathed in man, and man's reaction to his spirit being breathed was man opened up and took in. Pattern. Principle. You shall receive, 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 receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost doesn't get blown into you. <sighs> Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And what was their reaction to the wind? <sighs> Receive. So the established pattern that God gave us all the way back in the beginning of Genesis, he stuck to in Acts chapter 2. So we go to Acts chapter 3. And we find that this is an extremely important because it's the first time we see man's sin. And it's the first time we get to see how God's going to react to his sin. And you know the story, and I'm not going to go into another story. You know, the Bible says God shows up on the cool of the day, and Adam's not there as usual, where he usually is. And he calls out to Adam, where are you, Adam? Adam said, I'm over here hiding him. And he said, why are you hiding? He says, because I'm naked. He said, who told you you're naked? And the whole story goes from there. But then... God does something here. They were naked, and here's what he says. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Just leave that up there for a second. Let them see that for a moment. For most people reading that passage of scripture, you just skip over there because to most people, that is an informational passage of scripture. It's not a theological or doctrinal passage of scripture. However, contained in that B clause of that passage of scripture is an unlocking of the principle of God and how he deals with us and what he wants to do with us. Because there are several important things. First of all, we have to note that Hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So the first thing God shows us there is, is that sin had been committed. And what do we know? And we established the penalty for sin is death. Something has to die. And so God shows up to the garden, has this exchange And obviously there was some repentance there. And in order to escape the penalty of the sin, God chose to take the life of an innocent. The innocent, the innocent and sin free became the sacrifice for the sinful. The animal did no wrong. But for blood to be shed, something's got to die. And in that passage of scripture, in that B clause, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. Make coats of skin and clothe them. Those seven words unlock one of the greatest revelations in all of scripture. Because if God was simply trying to forgive you of his sins, he would have simply said, And God killed a sacrifice. He would have simply required a sacrifice of death to replace. But yet he did not tell us that he was sacrificing something. He skipped that because we know in order to make a skin, something's got to be dead. You're not putting a live bear skin on you. It doesn't work. In fact, the last guy had tried it, I don't think he lasted too long. And so he made a coat. Why? Because it's not God's desire simply to forgive us. It's God's desire to take us to a whole different level beyond forgiveness. Because it's one thing to forgive someone It's one thing to pardon someone, but to simply pardon Adam and Eve and say, you guys are done, it leaves them in their fig leaves. It leaves them with the old identity. It leaves them still looking at what they did to cover what they had done. But yet for God, it was just as important how Adam and Eve saw themselves as it was what he did with the sin. It was God's desire to help them see themselves differently and for God to see them differently as it was simply to forgive sin. 
Because forgiving of sin, the Bible talks about in the forgiving of sin, it's removing that sin, that deed, out of the book, out of, out of the record of heaven. When you ask for forgiveness and the blood of Jesus is shed, literally, according to Scripture, that has been removed out of heaven's record. And because God abides, His consciousness, if you want to call it that, abides in the eternal. When you are forgiven and the blood is shed and you ask for forgiveness, He forgives you, that record is removed from the eternal. It's literally on the eternal as if it never happened. On your eternal timeline, the blood erases that deed off the eternal timeline. But God loves you and I enough that he simply didn't care about the eternal, but he wanted to deal with what we are right now and who we are right now. And it's... It was more, it was just as important to God that we can not only be forgiven, but we can step into a different realm past forgiveness as it was simply just to get us across the finish line from the temporal into the eternal. The Bible says that he made coats of skin and clothed them so that being forgiven wasn't enough. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot. If you only hear any, if you want, if you don't hear anything I say the rest of the night in the Holy Ghost tonight, I say, pray that you remember this statement. You cannot live for God successfully simply being forgiven. I killed the goose. I killed the goose. You cannot live for God successfully simply living forgiven. Because in the Bible, both in the Greek and the Hebrew, the word forgiven, both of the words forgiven in the Greek and the Hebrew mean pardoned. It means you committed a crime. You stood before a judge. The executed sentence upon you and guilt was called over your name. Yet you were pardoned from the penalty of that deed. You walked out of that courtroom free. But still with the stain of what you did over your life. And there's too many of us in this room tonight. That try to outweigh our bad with good. And we try to put one more pebble on the good scale, trying to outweigh all the pebbles on the bad scale. And when we have a bad day, we're thinking, oh God, I had another bad day. That means I got to have two more good days. We have one bad mistake. That means I got to have some good stuff to outweigh. I better open some doors from some ladies today. I better not cut anybody off in traffic because I, I did stuff. I, I, I said a bad word, I, I thought a bad deed, I, I, I committed a sin, and, and oh my goodness, now my, 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 my bad scale is getting a little heavy. I've got to do some stuff on the good scale, so I better come to church, and, and, and I better do this, and, and oh, i got to do that. And then after a while, you're like, I can't do it anymore, it's too hard, I can't do it, I can't outweigh 
my bad with good. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be able to do it. And so what do we do? We slowly begin to withdraw. We slowly begin to step away and say, it's never going to work. I'm never going to be good enough. God will never love me. I'm always going to be a failure. I'm always going to be no good. I'm never going to be able to live up to the expectation God has for me. And so I begin to slip farther and farther away from God. And all of a sudden, I feel the love of God begin to slip away from me. And I come to church, and I feel like a stranger. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, it's just not worth all this. I'll never be good enough. And the next thing you know, I'm sitting at home on a Sunday. And I'm starting to slip back into the old ways because I'm trying to just outweigh the bad with more good. Little boy, little, and his sister, who was a tyrant, went to stay with the grandmother. Little boy and his sister was standing out there one day, and his sister was giving him a hard time. And she finally looked at him and said, do you see grandma's goose in the backyard? He said, yeah. She goes, I, I bet you can't hit that goose. You can't even aim. You throw like a girl. I bet you can't even come close. And little boy said, aha, I'll show you. Little boy picked up the rock, threw it. Sure enough, hit the goose on the side of the head and killed the goose. She looked at him and she said, oh, you killed grandma's goose. You killed the goose. The little boy was in terror knowing that he killed grandma's goose. The next day they got up and the sister realized that she had a means by which to capitalize on the events of the previous day. Grandma said, I want you to do the dishes. She said, okay, grandma. Grandma left the room and she went over to her little brother and said, you're going to do the dishes. I don't want to do the dishes. It's your turn. She said, you're going to do the dishes or I'm going to tell grandma you killed the goose. So there goes the little boy doing the dishes. Palm olive, I guess, good for the hands, whatever works for you. Next day, grandma said to her, I want you to vacuum. She said, okay, grandma, I'll vacuum. Grandma left the room, and she looked at her little brother and said, you're going to vacuum the floor. He said, no, I'm not. I washed the dishes yesterday. I'm not vacuuming today. She said, yes, you are. Or I'm going to tell Grandma, you killed the goose. And there he goes, vacuum out, vacuum away. Next day, he gets up. Grandma says, can, tell, tells her, can you take out the trash? She said, sure, Grandma, I'll be glad to take out the trash. Grandma left the room. She looks at her little brother and says, you going to take out the trash? He looked at her and said, I know because I killed the goose. And there he goes, getting the cat. He gets the, gets the trash, walks on out. This went on for about two more weeks. Every day. Every day. He's doing her chores. He's doing her things because she's holding over the leverage of Killed the goose. Finally, after about a month of that, she comes in one day and she has another task. She says, I want you to do that. He said, no. She said, what did you say? He said, no. She said, do you realize if you don't do it, I'm going to tell grandma you killed the goose. He said, I don't care anymore. He said, in fact, I'm going to tell grandma I killed the goose. So he marches himself in the room. He said, Grandma. She said, yes, baby. 
He said, I got to tell you something. She said, what is it? I killed the goose. Grandma looked at him. She said, I know you did. I saw you when you did it. But I was just waiting to see what you're going to do about it. He lived a whole month a prisoner for an action that grandma had already forgiven him over. If grandma really was mad, she would have shown up that night and said, I saw what you did and you killed my goose. And because you killed my goose, you're going to your room and you're not coming out. But grandma already saw what he did. And grandma already took care of it. But because he allowed another voice in his life. To keep him prisoner. He let the deeds of his past. Become the prisoner. And he did things he never had to do. Because he killed the goose. But to grandmother, it didn't matter that he killed the goose. Because grandmother loved her little grandbaby. And it didn't matter to grandmother he killed the goose. She'd go buy another goose. It wouldn't matter to her. But to little boy, because he wasn't willing to just let it go. And forgive and just get over with and let's move on. He let the voices of accusation keep him prisoner. And chained to the event that the one who actually mattered had already broken the chain. He could have come to her day one and said, Granny, I killed the goose. She just said, I know I saw you. Don't do it again. And he could have gone on, but he lived a month walking every day going, I killed the goose. It's your turn to do the dishes. I killed the goose. It's your turn to take out the trash. I killed the goose. It's your turn to vacuum. I killed the goose. It's your turn to do this. I killed the goose. And you know what? Today, some of you get up every day and that's what you say. I killed the goose. Because the devil wakes up right next to you and he reminds you, don't you realize what you've done? Don't you realize the things you said yesterday? Don't you realize yesterday that you did this and said that? And you go, I know, I killed the goose. And you walk around with your head down and you come to church with your head down and you're so afraid that God's going to rebuke you. And the devil says, aha, if you don't go and if you don't if you go to church and you praise I'm going to tell everybody you killed the goose if you go and you worship I'm going to tell everybody you killed the goose if you go to work and you witness I'm going to tell everybody you killed the goose and so you walk around and you live as a prisoner because you killed the goose And every time you try to get free, and every time you try to get free from where you've been and get another step, the devil's right there saying, ah, are you sure you can take that step? You killed the goose. Are you sure you can do that? Don't you know you killed the goose? You, 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 can't, you can't be used of God like that. Goose killers can't be used of God. You can't come to church and worship. You're a hypocrite because you've killed the goose. Don't walk in there and act like you're somebody you're not. We all know you killed the goose. And you come in here and you walk in. And when you do make it, you walk in and go, well, I'm here. But that's all I can do because I killed the goose. 
But let me tell you something. First of all, God already knows you killed the goose and so do we. But we don't care. You're the one that's got to choose. Will you continue to let your identity be I killed a goose or will you let your identity be I know a God and I know a cross and I know a blood. And I've been baptized into Christ and I have put on Christ. You can call me a goose slayer all you want and you can say I killed the goose but I stand here tonight and say I am free. I killed the goose. You know what? God doesn't erase the memories of our deeds out of our heads. I wish, trust me, I know for all of us, it would be awesome if somehow God could erase mental pictures out of our mind as if we never did it. But he doesn't. And we, even asking God for forgiveness, have to live with the pictures of what we've done. We have to live with the memories of what we've done. If we're not careful, we can allow those things to become our prisoner even after we've visited the cross. And we can walk around with the identity of I killed the goose. And it's so easy for the devil to come sit on our shoulder and tell us, you'll never be who God wants you to be because you killed the goose. You'll never become the man of God, the woman of God that you want to be because you've killed the goose. You'll never be that. Once a goose slayer, always a goose slayer. <laughs> you can go to AA, ABC, GBE, or, but according to that if you're a goose slayer you're always going to be a goose slayer because that's what happens when you kill the goose but you know what if killing the goose was so important to God you wouldn't be sitting here tonight he already knew I was going to kill the goose so he said before you even kill that goose I'm going to show up on the cross. Because I can look out into eternity. And I see a man named Joel Wright. And he's got a rock in his hand. And a goose in front of him. And I know he's going to throw that rock and hit that goose. So before he even does that action, I'm going to a cross. Because when he... Throws that rock and kills that goose. I'm going to have blood standing right next to him waiting for him. Before it even happens. You can't say that for the pre-cross generation. But we don't live in the pre-cross. We live in the New Testament. 
We're not living under the Old Testament. We're living under the New Testament. We're living in the post-cross era. And that God already has seen the deeds that we have made. And He was there when we did it. And you know what? I killed the goose. Adam had to live even though God made a, a, a coat of skin and clothed him in innocence. And they walked out of there innocence and clothed in his righteousness. And the righteousness of the innocent, it did not allow them to stay in the garden. There are consequences for our actions. You know what? You go out tonight on your way home. You decide, you know what? I need a little extra spending money this week. I want to buy some new shoes. And uh, I, let's stop by the convenience store and rob the place. Guess what? Get some spending money, but more than likely going to jail. Guess what? Let me tell you this. Your first night in jail... You may be filled with tears. You may find yourself on your cot in your prison cell praying and asking God to forgive you. And guess what? He will. But it doesn't mean the jailer's coming with the key. I'm sorry. Did you pray? Did you ask God to forgive you? Yes, I did. Well, come on out. All is forgiven. Well, if you'd have just done that, we wouldn't have to be in this mess. It doesn't mean that. There are actions. But just because there are repercussions for my actions does not mean God has not forgiven. There will be repercussions for actions. But it doesn't mean God. God clothed them in the innocence, but still removed them out of the garden. However, even though there are consequences for the sin, God does not want us to be judged and does not want us to be identified with those actions. The whole purpose of what God established right here in this scripture that was carried on through the cross and that now we participate in is not the removal of the consequences, but the change of identity. There are some of you today that you may live with the consequences of sin that you committed. There are people that have been in this church that have been saved, washed in the blood of Jesus, baptized in the name, that have liver problems because before they came to church they were a drunk. There are people in this church that have come to this church that have certain diseases because they used a dirty needle. My grandfather... Received the Holy Ghost in 1979. Baptized in Jesus' name. But lived 20 plus years with emphysema. And died of it. Because he smoked. 50 years, whatever it was. 30 years, 40 years. He did not come out of that that water. And God say, okay, now that you've been forgiven. Let me give you a new set of lungs. Can God do that? Sure. But did he? No. And sometimes we mistake God doesn't do that with the fact, am I truly forgiven? 
well, you know, I, I, I'm trying to change, but I've got this stuff. God's desire is how you view yourself and the identity that you carry. Because I use him because he's safe. He's gone to be with the Lord at this point so we can use him and be safe and not offend anyone. But in 2006, my grandfather passed away. He did not pass away a former smoker. He may have died from a disease, but he did not die a former smoker. He died a child of God. He was no longer identified as a smoker. He was identified as a child of God. Why? Because he wasn't simply forgiven, but he was clothed. I'm not identified as a goose slayer. I killed a goose. But in the end, I'm grandma's boy. In the end, I'm grandma's boy, Crisco. When it came down to it, he said, Grandma, I got something to tell you. What's that, baby? I killed the goose. I know you did. I saw you want to do it. And from now on, I'm going to call you Goose Slayer. No. Grandma didn't say that. Grandma said, I knew it. It's already taken care of because you're my grandma. The identity that God gives us is not the identity of what we've done, but it's the identity of who we are in Him. So you can allow the older sisters of this world, both spiritually and naturally, to keep you prisoner as the goose slayer that they know you to be. And you can choose to be bound by the accusations of those that say, I remember when you were the goose slayer. Don't act all holy, girl. I remember when you were out there. Man, don't act all holy when you come to church. I remember what you used. Me and you used to party. You drank more than I did. You smoked more than I did. Don't act like that. You know what? I'm not a goose slayer. Did I kill the goose? I killed the goose. But I'm not a goose slayer. I'm grandma's boy. I'm grandma's boy. Did I do it? Yeah. But I'm grandma's boy. I'm grandma's boy. You know what? Can't go back and change what I've done. If I could, boy, I'd be right there ahead of line. First person to make a time machine, I'm right there. Let's go. Woo, I'm on it. Strap me in. Can't do it. But you know what? I'm not a goose slayer. I'm a child of God. You say, well, that's just, that's just positive thinking. According to your faith, so be it unto you. You say, well, that's just, that's just a Christian mumbo-jumbo. That's just Christian verbiage. Oh, no. Oh, no. We are made righteous through what? What's that five-letter word? How are we made righteous? Through what? Faith. If you want to be righteous you got to believe you're righteous. You say, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want that, Pastor, right? How do I get that? What do I got to do? Do I need to pray? Do I need to ask God? Here's what you do. Believe it.
Turn off the voice that's telling you you're a goose slayer and turn up the voice that says, that's all right, baby, you're still my boy. Turn off the voice that's telling you, do the vacuum, do the chores, do this, do that. Goose slayer, goose slayer. Turn that voice off. And say, you know what? Call me all you want. But I'm going to grandma. And to grandma, I'm not a goose slayer. To grandma, I'm just her baby boy. You know what? Allow yourself to be intimidated. Allow yourself to stay where you are. Allow yourself to drift away being identified as the goose slayer. But I'm not about you. I'm running to the cross. And when I run to the cross and I look up at my Savior, He does not look down at me with eyes of condemnation, but He looks down at me and says, That's my boy. Because when that prodigal ran back to his father, walked in there and said, Just call me a servant. He said, You're not a servant, you're a son. You're not a servant, you're a son. I challenge you tonight, stop living the Christian walk of a goose slayer. Stop living the Christian walk, allowing yourself to be intimidated by the voices of your past telling you you'll never get past where you are because you're a goose slayer. Turn up the voice that says, I'm a child of God. As the old song we used to sing, oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king and his royal blood now flows through my veins I who was wretched and blind now can see praise God praise God I'm a child of the king oh yes oh yes I'm a child of the king. And his royal blood is flowing through my veins. I'm not a goose slayer anymore. I'm a child of the king. I'm not a drug addict anymore. I'm a child of the king. I'm not a fornicator anymore. I'm a child of the king. Would you stand with me right now? Would you lift your hands to heaven? And would you say thank you tonight, Jesus, that I'm no longer a goose slayer, but I'm your child. Come on. Tonight it's not about a big reaction. Tonight it's about a decision. You got to make a choice. Are you going to be a goose slayer? Are you going to be grandma's boy? you got to make a choice tonight. It's not something you come to the altar and you cry a bunch of tears and you just weep before the Lord until you feel better. Tonight is a choice. I'm a child of a king. I'm a child of the king. Romans chapter 4 verse 16 
says, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to that which is of the law, but to that also which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us, as it is written. I have made thee a father of many nations before whom he believed even God who quickened the dead and called those things which not as though they were who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations who Abraham according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be. And here's the biggest craziest verse in all the Bible. And being not weak in faith he considered not his own body and was hundred years old, neither yet deadness of Sarah's womb. Here you go, ready? Verse 20. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. Huh? What? Someone call Paul right now. Tell him he forgot to read the Old Testament. Paul, did you miss Genesis? He did what? Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. Through unbelief, but was strong in faith. What? Where's Ishmael? Did you forget? That little fellow named Ishmael? That sounds like some unbelief to me. But even though Abraham was was the father of Ishmael, to God, Abraham was identified as the father of Isaac. did not identify Abraham as a goose, goose slayer. He identified Abraham as the father of Isaac. May the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Wait, wait a minute. What about Ishmael? What Ishmael? Abraham staggered not. He was strong in faith. What? But if you go back and you read through that How did that happen? It happened through the faith of Abraham. Abraham received the righteousness through faith. Tonight, it's not a big emotional thing. You just come down here. Oh, God, yes, I'm a child of the king. Woo! You get back in your car and say, well, that felt good, but I'm still a goose slayer. Tonight is about a choice, but not a choice tonight, a choice tomorrow morning when you wake up and that voice is going, that was cute and neat what Pastor Joel said last night. That was nice and neat. That was funny. Little story about the goose, but don't forget, I still know you're a goose layer. So many times we, we just react on a message in the moment. Don't react tonight. I'm looking for a big response tonight. I'm looking for you to get up in the morning when that verse says, oh, goose layer. You say, no, I'm not. You better get out of my bedroom. If you're still here by the time I get in there to brush my teeth, you and I are going to have a little walk and a talk. Because you can say I'm a goose slayer all I want. But let me remind you something, voice and devil and accuser and past. I am a child of the king. Come on, would you lift your hands one more time to heaven? Come on, just lift your hands to heaven. Come on, right now, just for a moment. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. Come on, just reach over real quick next to somebody next to you. Take a mother hand, put your hand on their shoulder. Let's take a moment and pray one for another. We are not goose slayers. 
We are the kids of the king. We are the kids of the king. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm a child of the king because I've got his blood flowing in my veins. Righteousness. We are the bearers of righteousness. We are not identified by who we are, but we are identified who He has made us to be. Hallelujah! Oh, come on, just another moment. Just another moment. Come on, can you just give me another 60 seconds? The Holy Ghost is in this place. The Holy Ghost is in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, let's just thank the Lord. Can we do that? Oh, come on. Thanksgiving is just as much faith as proclamation. Oh, hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. I killed the goose, but I'm grandma's boy. I killed the goose, but I'm grandma's boy. I've done things, but I'm a child of God. Washed in the blood. Sanctified by the Spirit. Will you clap your hands one more time to the Lord and give Him thanks?